today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Um, but what we're witnessing specifically with these ISVs and these software platforms, we saw some early pivots, which was really kind of inspiring. We saw a restaurant point of sale solution within weeks launch a free online delivery service for their merchants, for their restaurants. We saw an events platform do an early pivot where they quickly set up a whole new product offering around virtual events. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. WePay provides payment solutions for platforms like marketplaces and software firms. The Chase-owned company provides payment APIs to firms like Eventzilla, Meetup, and Touch Bistro. Chief Revenue Officer Jennifer Parker joins us on the podcast to give us an update on the business and to discuss how platforms and their merchants are coping during the current crisis. We hear about how WePay has supported its ecosystem with products and services throughout this tumultuous time. Jennifer also shares with us her biggest priorities heading into the second half of 2020. Jennifer Parker is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. What could you do with better real-time consumer data? All data aggregation from Fiserv enables access to consumer permission data from over 18,000 sources. Lenders, advisors, fintech firms, and financial institutions can turn this data into actionable insight for their customers. Go to fiserv.com slash all data to learn more. Well, I am Jennifer Parker. I am the Chief Revenue Officer for WePay, a Chase company. And a little bit about me, Zach. So I am a Midwest girl, moved south to Houston, stayed far longer than I thought I would, and then relocated to the Bay Area about two years ago. Uh, I am, I've been with JP Morgan for approximately 10 years now and joined the WePay team post-acquisition in late 2018. So as a CRO, I am responsible for anything that touches our prospecting clients. So for us, that's marketing, sales, relationship management, that's our technical integrations, and most importantly, our partner success, as well as aligning back to the firm, to the broader JP Morgan. And so when I'm not working, oops, sorry. No, I didn't mean to cut you off. Continue, please. Yeah, I was just gonna say, when I'm not working, I'm a runner. And so the Bay Area has proved to be really difficult to run with these hills. It's a lot different than running in the South. And I spend a lot of time with my family. Wonderful. And so for those listeners who may not be acquainted with WePay, um, it's worth taking a step back. Can you, can you explain what WePay does? Yeah, of course. So WePay was acquired by JP Morgan late 2017. And WePay offers integrated payment solutions to software platforms, ISVs, in areas such as restaurant retail point of sale, professional services, uh, field management services. And over the past couple of years, we've really spent uh, quite an investment in our card present technology to accommodate some of our multi-channel shopping and payments, as well as address merchants' needs to accept payments on the move. So super important now as more and more merchants are having to be on the move. Um, But as you think about it, if you are a small restaurant that's moved to catering services, let's say, and you now need to be able to accept payments uh, mobily or any other way you can do that, if you um, also are like a hairstylist that are no longer able to operate in your salon and you want to take payment um, while, you know, doing hair or other salon services on the go, you can do so. It's a little bit about WePay. Awesome. And so I think, you know, since the last time we caught up with WePay, um, 
there wasn't COVID. So how, how are platforms in particular coping um, with sort of the changes in the, in the marketplace right now? Yeah, it's, um, it's tough. And I know everybody can relate like this pandemic we're in. It's super unfortunate. My heart breaks as we are talking to merchants and platforms every day where you've got these business owners that have completely poured their entire life savings and passion into these businesses that may or may not make it post this. Um, and as a daughter of a dad who was a small business owner the majority of my life, um, he saw him go through auto crisis and saw the impact that had on his business. Like it is just really tough. Um, but what we're witnessing specifically with these ISVs and these software platforms, we saw some early pivots, which was really kind of inspiring. We saw a restaurant point of sale solution within weeks launch a free online delivery service for their merchants, for their restaurants. We saw an events platform do an early pivot where they quickly set up a whole new product offering around virtual events. And with their permission, we were able to share some of these best practices and learnings because as many know, in the early days of this, everyone was just trying to figure out what the new norm was going to look like and what to do and how to survive. And, you know, what's interesting is that we launched the state of small business payment survey in February. So timing wasn't great just pre COVID, but what we found in these full results will come out later this week. What we found is much of what we, the learnings we think will be even more applicable today is that these small businesses or merchants that are served by, by these ISVs have less access to liquidity, right, in terms of their own capital or third-party financing. And so the number one thing uh, that came out of that was the concern of the speed of payments and how critical that is. Almost 40% uh, re reported that they face speed payments as an issue in the last 12 months, and that's pre-COVID. So we can only imagine today what that looks like. Um, WePay has been really focused on accelerating our deposit availability with our same-day deposits for businesses that work with Chase Plus WePay to get the funds same day without fees. So as we've heard from the platforms and the merchants, how important their access to cash is right now. You imagine a restaurant on a Friday or Saturday that does have sales, especially now, how it's even more important that they have access to those funds immediately at no additional fees. So a long way to say they're definitely reporting um, a lot of angst, but we're seeing some nice um, bump up and, and return to business, especially in the online space. That's really interesting. And obviously, as you said, I mean, speed to, to access funds was, was a trend that was in, in, you know, underway before COVID hit. And I can only imagine, you know, how, how intense it is now. Um, Looking through those platforms, what in turn are you hearing? Are their end customers looking for? Have, have their needs um, changed? Yeah, you know, definitely the access to funds, like we talk about, that's their immediate need. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, though, they're really looking for ease of usage. So they want to do all they can to acquire and retain these customers, the ones they can retain. Um, and so what's important for the end merchant, the end customers, that they are working with a platform that makes it easy for them to do business. So anything that's going to buy them time and build efficiency in their business, anything that's going to get them payments and allow them to pay, to, to pay and to get paid quicker, it's really all about speed as well as ease of doing business right now. 
Got it. Um, and, and do you think we're in a, a new normal? I mean, is, is this certainly for the foreseeable future? I mean, do you, are, are you guys planning that this is like, this is status quo, like from here on out? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think it is uh, a new normal. The thing that I'd mentioned though, is that some of the trends that we expected to see, let's say in five years period of time, I just think have been expedited by COVID. So I don't think it's abnormal to the payment trends that we were seeing. If you think about contactless payments in the point of, spale, point of sale space, if you think about the need for digital wallets, uh, those type of trends that we are already planning to start, start seeing have just been expedited by this. This whole theory behind death of cash that we, we thought you know in years, not months, we're starting to see those behaviors now. And so I do think that it is somewhat of a new normal. I do think we'll stabilize, right? Restaurants will reopen. Retail uh, providers will be able to reopen in the brick and mortar fashion and may look a lot different. So they're having to redo their, their business models and really determine how do they bring in customers in a safe way? How do they retain these customers? And how do they create an experience that's going to allow them to continue to grow? And do you guys... Um... Obviously, you guys were early, I think, in, in working deeply with ISVs and, and with marketplaces. Um, what's your view on, like, I guess, on how the crisis has impacted marketplaces in particular? Um, do you see this as, as still as a growth mechanism for the future, the growth of marketplaces? Yeah, I do. So, uh, you know, we've seen the volume spike in online e-com and, and also in, in marketplaces, right? The ability to buy things, to serve customers, anything that you can do in a digital fashion is definitely the future. Uh, I do think we'll continue to see those trends. So even though we've seen uh, a reduction in business in the point of sale space directly, right? In a contact way with physical use of cards. I think that will increase. And we believe that in the future state, this online presence, this marketplace presence will continue to increase because a lot of these businesses have created new models, new products. And in preparation for something like this that may happen again, hopefully we don't see a full pandemic, but their business resiliency post this will be a lot stronger and will look a lot better and will continue to drive, um, drive that business. And now a word from our sponsor. At Tearsheet's day-to-day conference, Fiserv's Paul Diegelman drilled down into the future of personal financial management. Paul, you're talking about PFM 2.0. It's actually two separate and distinct applications. Liquidity is a huge problem right now. Just People just don't have time to do things twice. Basically, most parts of the country shut down for COVID. Our PFM user growth was over 20% in the first two weeks alone. Underrated, 100%. How could we use AI to impact PFM? I'm up for anything that helps people. And to help people, you need an economic model. To access the full video from Paul's talk, go to tearsheet.co slash speed of life. So, so Jennifer, you, you mentioned speed um, to cash. Um, are there, can you talk about some of the other products and services that you have rolled out or will be rolling out soon to support your customers? Yeah, definitely. So I mentioned that we've also uh, invested for the last couple of years in our card present space and really to support the multi-channel approach and be able to accept payments mobily and in person and online. So we spent a lot of time around that. 
Um, some other products, we, we've, we've got three strong products that are Link, Clear, and Core that really allow the ISV to grow with us. Uh, our Link product offering gives our strategic partners access to our Chase distribution channels, mm -hmm. which is something that's great, right? You think about Chase's reach. We've got approximately 4 million plus um, small to medium-sized businesses that currently bank with Chase. We have another 5,100 branches, Chase is in one of every two U.S. households, and the number one uh, credit card issuer. Chase.com is the number one visited financial website. So if you think about that entire ecosystem, we're able to expose some of that to our strategic partners, ISVs that are looking to really leverage that. We also have another product that will allow our software platforms to white label solutions. So they want to really own that end merchant, that end customer. And so we can do that in a fully white labeled solution. And then our third product is where we're able to support platforms that want to become a payment facilitator. So they are able to take on everything end to end and we're able to support them in their, in their you know, quest to do that. And I guess as CRO, like how, how do you partition um, time, energy, efforts towards dif those different kind of channels and products? Yeah, so the team is really looking for what the platform needs and consulting with them. So we do find, especially right now in this COVID environment, people are not quite sure what they need, right? They, what they thought they may have needed one, one point in time may look a lot different today. So the example I'll use is someone who thought they may have wanted to offer a white label solution may find that having Chase brand behind them as they're looking for new customer acquisition and really need to push fast forward on that can do so. We've taken a consultative approach to doing so. Um, and so has, as I think about how do we spend our time and where we spend our time, it's really in that assessing their needs and not going, you know, not going straight in and saying, hey, you tell us, yes, you need a white label solution. And we say, okay, yes, it's really having that conversation around what do you need? The other thing though, and really a huge benefit of the acquisition that we were able to do is now we can leverage a lot of our JP Morgan colleagues that offer lending and treasury solutions for these companies, right? To build out their treasury functionality or to get access to capital. We're able to now engage those colleagues as part of our conversations early on to build a more robust solution. So it could be payments on the front in the beginning of the conversation, but then that company may let us know they need so much more, especially as we're dealing with the pandemic. So. We just look at where the customers are, meet them where they are, and then guide them to where we think is best to really support their long-term growth. That makes total sense, a consultative approach. Um, You've mentioned a couple times about the, I, I guess how we pay is, is integrating more into um, Chase's or JP Morgan's um, you know, it's ecosystem. Can, can, how do you think about that, about that going forward? So one of the examples you, I guess you gave was the same day deposit. Yeah. Yeah. So are, are there, are you guys looking for further ways to kind of integrate um, sort of both, both institutions? I know you're saying yeah. institution, but yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. So you may have seen that we have our headline is payments that you can bank on, which really speaks to that thesis of the bank plus the ISV will be the future of 
small business acquisition. And so that survey that I mentioned earlier that we uh, pushed out, we found that approximately 65% of these small businesses said they have a large uh, interest in a bank plus a solution platform as a one size fits all solution for their business needs. And so we absolutely are looking at ways that we can partner these two, you know, the large backing of a global financial, you know, provider with the innovative technology and tech stack that WePay has. Same day deposits is definitely one of the first things that we launched in this partnership. And along the lines, we'll head, as we head forward, we'll continue to look at some of the other players like what we've seen with Shopify and Square and PayPal that are doing much more, much more and exposing financial services through their platform. We believe in that. It's really a driver of the acquisition. And so we absolutely will continue to look at other ways to do that in the future that we believe will di disrupt some traditional models that once existed. Interesting. Um, and Jeffrey, can you point to other trends maybe you're seeing in the business? Yeah, you know, I would say the primary trend is exactly that. It's mm -hmm. how do we become a, and I'm speaking about these software platforms, right? As they're looking at small to mid-sized businesses, how do we support their immediate business management needs? But then how do we differentiate in this market to find ways to either extend payroll services, credit card, debit card services to pay their employees. It's how do we expose capital and lending products through our platform. And so as you think about a restaurant owner who's looking to appoint a sales solution to manage inventory, staff, them having the ability to then pay that stuff through that same software solution is game changing. And so that's one of the trends that we're seeing a big uptick, uptick in. Another trend, Zach, that I do think is important to mention, though, is that there's also an uptick in fraud. Um, and so as We've online... a lot of providers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that if companies are not paying attention, especially ISVs, they can really be caught off guard by this. Um, online volume, e-com has grown exponentially. And so with that, of course, fraud is surging. And... With new business comes new fraudsters that are hiding within this new volume. The biggest risk we're seeing to small to mid-sized businesses is that they're relying on older tech systems and they're not well protected. So they really need like these appropriate controls in place to rec recognize fraud techniques like account takeover. Um, and fraudsters also know like exactly which industries are exp experiencing positive surges. So they're targeting them and hoping to fly under the radar. Hmm. And so companies either have to adapt in one of two ways. They can protect themselves with in-house tools, which can be costly, but if they're you know, a fast-growing company, that may make sense for them, or they need to look at payment processors like we pay for protection. Uh, but whatever route they go in, they need to make sure that the security and fraud protection is robust. Uh, in our situation, our risk engine sifts through hundreds of pieces of data for monitoring, mitigation, and decisioning. And then the risk is assessed and reassessed on every single transaction to continuously learn about the business. And then from that, this creates like this tailored fraud detection that auto-recognizes unusual business activity. So then they're we're able to flag suspicious transactions. 
So it's very robust and comprehensive, but it's so important because if companies don't get their arms around this early, they'll find themselves in a really unfortunate situation where they're dealing with recovering from the pandemic, plus now trying to really figure out what has happened to their business from a fraud perspective. So some of the trends we're seeing, hopefully uh, companies will really leverage and think about fraud before proactively and not after the fact. Um, and then you'll see some, we, we're seeing more of these cool trends where, you know, I mentioned earlier, these software companies are really being innovative and creative in how they go to market. Got it. Well, that's, that sounds like a nightmare scenario with the fraud. Um, <laughs> yeah. And very impressive with, with, with the, the platform that, that you've produced to, to be able to counter that. Um, it, we have time for one last question. And I'm curious to know, like, what your biggest priorities are looking, you know, to the second half of 2020, like, where are you spending your time and where are you focused? Yeah, so we are focused on a number of things I just mentioned, right? How do we consult with these companies right now as they look at the re-entry tactics? How do we consult with them, share best practices, and really help them think about moving forward? We are also bridging the um, teams between JP Morgan colleagues and our clients and prospects, which is nice because a lot of them need more of that financial consultation right now as they're, as they're moving forward. And then I would say one of the biggest, in addition to fraud and risk consulting that I just spoke about, because we are definitely concerned that and we want to make sure our clients are protected. But in addition to that, we have a heavy focus on diversity and inclusion. So one of the most eye-opening things for me as a black woman in a C-suite role in fintech is the underrepresentation. I had, you hear about it until you actually walk in, you know, step into a role and really understand how underrepresented we really are. It's kind of eye-opening. Um, and there's been a number of times where I'm at the table and it's just my, the lens that I view things in that's different. Um, that may, that adds a lot of value, right, to, to the conversation. So, you know, outside of it just being important that we do provide equal opportunity because it's the right thing to do, we know and the data shows that diverse teams drive better business results, right? And these unique and rounded decisions create a stronger overall org. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, um, there's a couple of ways we're thinking about that and doing that. We've been doing this for a few years now. Um, we decided late last year that we were going to double our Black and Latinx new hires. Um, we're sourcing talent out of historically Black colleges and universities or HBCUs. We're looking to coding academies and Black alumni groups from other colleges and universities to really make sure that we retain, obtain and retain the best talent that we possibly can find. And then lastly, we're partnering real closely with our larger JP Morgan uh, DNI uh, initiatives as well. So in early 2019, the firm stood up Advancing Black Pathways, which is um, an initiative to, to think about um, the underrepresented or underserved populations, I should say, around wealth management, careers, as well as businesses. We are specifically partnering with them on this Entrepreneur of Color Fund initiative, which connects Black-owned small businesses to Entrepreneurs of Color Fund and expands access to capital and advisory services for minority entrepreneurs and partnership with CDEFIs. And so as I think about the rest of this year and those being some of our priorities, we know we'll build a better organization from this, we can better serve our clients, 
and we can hopefully help them get back on their feet post this pandemic, um, hopefully stronger than even before. Those are amazing initiatives. Jennifer Parker, CRO at WePay, thank you for joining us on the Cherry Sheet Podcast today. Thank you so much, Zach. It's been a pleasure.